0: Going on, everybody. I hope this finds you striving and thriving and doing absolutely amazing. Today, I have a fantastic conversation with Nikki Jones for you. Now, Nikki's been teaching for sixteen years. She's taught first and third grade, and currently, she's an instructional technology coach. And she's passionate about helping, inspiring, and training educators to integrate technology in ways that are innovative highly engaging, ways that it promotes student choice, voice, and creation. And in this conversation, listen to how Nikki talks about being willing to take risks. Listen as she talks about different ways that we can find inspiration for using technology tools inside our classrooms. Listen to strategies that she uses to introduce technology to her students. Listen, as she talks about the one-point rubric and so much more, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I am super excited today because I have a wonderful guest, someone who, it's amazing the connection that we have and we've never met before, but uh, we'll get into that connection a little later into the podcast, but I want to welcome Nikki Jones to the Teaching Champions Podcast. Welcome, Nikki.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to your podcast and I'm just so excited to be here.
0: And I'm excited to have you because you are an amazing technology wizard and Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get some of the information to everybody, but could for the listeners that don't know who you are, could you share your journey with us, please?
1: So I am an instructional technology coach. I have been in education for 16 years. I'm originally from Western New York and I got my undergraduate there. Uh, We'll chat about that connection in a second. (laughs) And then I moved actually just like everybody else in Western New York. I had an education degree and I didn't want to be a substitute. So I moved to Northern Virginia where I am currently located. I started teaching first grade and I fell in love with it. I always thought I wanted to teach kindergarten. And then Mm -hmm. first grade was like a newfound love because they're just a little more independent. They can mostly tie their shoes. And (laughs) I was just seeing such growth and progress in teaching them to read and write. And I really fell in love with that. I was at a school that administration really supported technology integration and I was constantly using it in my classroom. And then I somehow landed the role as an instructional technology coach. And I fell in love with the job. I It was like a dream job I didn't even know that I wanted. I was able to make an impact on a larger scale with our whole school community and work with teachers. And then life kind of threw a twist and we were moving and I wanted to be a little bit closer to where we were going to be living. I was pregnant and I didn't want to be commuting with a small baby at home. So I applied for lots of jobs on this end of the county. I was kind of willing to go back into the classroom or whatever role that I could obtain to be closer to home. And I emailed a school that was just opening and this lovely principal, she interviewed me and she hired me. I was six months pregnant. It's going to be out the first three months of school. My due date was the three days before school started. (laughs) I never taught third grade. Not sure what she was thinking. She had some faith and I started teaching third grade. I absolutely loved it. I kind of fell in love with these kids even more because the independence that they had, they had a sense of humor. They were really able to like dig deep into reading and get meaning. So it was a lot of fun. I had an amazing team that I loved. And then our coach left and I was Mm -hmm. asked to take that role again because I was just using so much technology in my classroom. So I felt strongly because I had Six years that I had really built kind of some relationships in the building, and I felt confident that I would be able to kind of get our school to the next level with technology integration and STEAM. So I have been an instructional technology coach in my current school for the last three years. And here we are.
0: I know that you were saying that you were lucky enough to become that instructional technology coach right as COVID hit. Which I'm sure moving into that position was a little stressful. I mean, it was stressful for everybody at that time.
1: I might not have said lucky at the beginning (laughs) when you asked me. That was definitely a struggle because it was more of kind of that management of technology, right? Helping students Mm. and families learn how to get logged into things, how to download things. We had just launched a new learning management system. We were using Canvas for the first time. So the aspect of, you know, teaching teachers how to get their instruction, how to get all of their materials and everything into Canvas in a clean and Easy way for six year olds to access and helping mm-hmm. them get passwords and all of the things. I might not have said I was lucky at that <laughs> time. I guess I'm happy that I was able to be of support to those that needed it. And it took a while to really get that instructional piece in there that mm-hmm. I find so hard for. And then I really kind of took that as a role for me to be able to help and support educators. So when I went to them, it was always like, where are you struggling most? How can I help you? Let me help you get your kids engaged. Let me help you try a new platform, try something with your students. Because Zoom, let's be honest, an entire day of Zoom with six-year-olds is rough. Yeah. So that was really fun.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. I bet. <laughs> and it's a, you know, sometimes we don't realize how resilient we are. You know, the lessons that we can take away and what we learned after going through that. A lot of of great takeaways. Now, we talked about that connection piece. And the one neat thing about social media is that you can meet some phenomenal people from all across the country. But do you want to get into a little bit about how we got connected?
1: So it's wild, right? You are connected with so many other educators. And I love Twitter because I get to connect with these like-minded educators. And I don't even know how... I think it started because of Lainey and then Mm. Lainey Rawls. So she, um, evolving with gratitude. And I think you were on her podcast. Is that where I initially made the connection? And then we kind of started digging deeper because when you say you're from New York, everybody thinks New York city, right? Nobody thinks like (laughs) Western New York. So when I initially tell people I'm from New York, I always say Western New York. And then you're like, wait what part of Western New York? And we kind of kept digging a little bit further and very close in proximity to where I grew up is where you are currently living.
0: Yes. So how, 40, about 40 minutes away,
1: 40 minutes away. Like that's nothing. And then digging a little bit deeper, we found
0: We went to this, yeah, we went to the same community college, which, you know, is a small community college, only about 2,500 students. And then we went to the same graduate program. We went to the same university, which is another small university, only about 4,000 students. So to be connected with someone that lives many states away, but shares such a uh, amazing past is pretty awesome.
1: It's such a small world, right? Like we say that, but that's crazy that we've connected. Re- I mean, I guess not randomly through social media because we have so many common interests, but that mm-hmm. we were able to kind of trace that connection back is really wild.
0: Yeah, it is wild. That is for sure. So, but let's see, you are here to talk a lot about technology and you know, one thing when when I look at your Twitter feed, I just see so many amazing things that you're putting out there. What are some great like new technology pieces that you're seeing right now that could benefit people in the classroom or that you would share with your staff?
1: So I tend to gravitate towards those tech tools that really allow for creation and students to get creative and have that choice in voice. Anything that empowers students to share their learning in a way that is fit for them is something that I go for. So Microsoft Flip. They're actually 10 years old. They're not new, but they are always at the top of my list because it's one of those tools that it's super easy to use. It's just like social learning, right? We're on social media, but it's social learning for students and they have so much fun creating things. It can be used for reading, writing, social studies, science, language arts, um, Mm -hmm. as a second language learner, there are just so many possibilities. And I love that I can teach my staff and I can teach our learners one tool that's so versatile that they can use it for multiple different projects and I can use it at any level. So our kindergartners last year, I was actually most successful with flip with our kindergarten students. They're one-to-one with an iPad and they were using the flip app and it, Wasn't necessarily brain surgery things that they were doing, but they learned about shapes. So they went on a shape hunt and they took pictures of shapes around the classroom and were able to sort those and orally explain, you know, what they found and the attributes of the shape. And that's so empowering for a five or six year old that can't read or write, but they're able to, you know, share their learning in a different, meaningful way. And that goes Mm -hmm. all the way up through our fifth grade or higher ed students that are, um, using flip as well. And then I know you kind of talked. Yeah, go.
0: Oh, can I jump into like, uh, if someone doesn't know what flip is, like what are some of the possibilities that flip offers? I know you gave that, that great one with the kindergartner. Yeah. So, uh, for the other grades.
1: Journey from Team Flip says, if you can think it, you can flip it. You can literally... So Flip is a video recording platform. Essentially in its ease, it is you pop the app open, you can press the record and you can kind of start recording yourself just like you would, you know, on your camera. But the cool thing is that it saves right to that app. It can be organized in different groups, different topics, and then you give students different prompts. So the cool part is it can be very simple, right? You can just open the camera and start recording Or it can be super complex and there are a lot of camera features, there are lenses, there are stickers that you can add, you can add your own photos. So even thinking, you know, in education, it's all about building relationships, getting to know our students at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, right now is a great time to kind of re- build those connections we're coming back from break mm-hmm. so just having them open it up and maybe share three adjectives about themselves three of their favorite things and three things they want to learn the rest of the year would be a really fun way for them to kind of explore and every time i introduce it i always like to give them just like we do with manipulatives like go and push all the buttons just have mm-hmm. five or 10 minutes where you push all the buttons, learn all the things, get it out of your system, and <laughs> then I kind of try to like focus it on three things that I want them to do. So for that activity I just said, maybe mm-hmm. I want them to do three adjectives with text. I want them to find three things that they really love in the sticker button, and then I want them to make sure they orally tell me three goals that they have or three things that they want to learn. So whenever I give a new tech tool, that's always my tip. um, It can be really overwhelming if you try to teach somebody, an educator or a young Mm -hmm. learner, all of the things. So I really just like to try to take three if I'm giving them an assignment to focus on that. Mm -hmm. So flip is really like the possibilities are endless. I've done things from stop motion, which you wouldn't think like a video recording app, but it's awesome because even if your students are shy to be on camera, you can use, they have audio only feature. They have a create feature. You can have your head as like an emoji or a cacti with the different lenses. So this is definitely one of my apps that I, you know, went to as a classroom teacher, but that I always go for when I am facilitating in a coaching role because Mm -hmm. the possibilities are really just endless.
0: Yes. That's awesome. What are some of the other things that you've seen out there that uh, are just uh, fantastic to technology to bring into the class.
1: So the other one that is always at the top, wait, I have a lot at the top of my list. So this is, (laughs) this could take a while. Adobe is another one that I love. I also love Canva kind of, they go hand in hand and both have pros and, you know, can do a little bit different things. Adobe is usually my go-to. And again, it's, all about that student creation and the creativity. Adobe allows students to create basically graphic images or videos. And I really love to start with templates because when we're talking about creativity, sometimes a blank page is really intimidating. If we tell students like, Mm -hmm. hey, you're going to make a brochure or a poster about a mid-Atlantic state, they might sit and look at that like page for a really long time. But if I give them a template, which is really easy to do through Adobe and kind of have some things outlined, some basic things. And I have, Mm -hmm. um, have you heard of the one point rubric? I wasn't planning on talking about that right now, but the single point rubric, have you heard of this? No,
0: please expand upon this. Oh my
1: gosh. So Jennifer Gonzalez is the creator of the single point rubric. And I learned this through Adobe And it's something that I really have been implementing a ton with, especially those older, you know, two through five students. But Mm -hmm. basically, it's not one point in the essence that you can only receive one point. It's one point that there is one Goal or one thing for you to create. And then essentially, you can get, you can still get that kind of, we do mastery here. So, four, three, two, one. Mm -hmm. I usually don't even put a one on there, but all of the different pieces of the rubric that you usually have kind of in the left hand column. And then you're breaking down, you know, how a rubric, I feel like I'm going off here, but a rubric, we usually are like, you did four things you did three things, you did two things, you had a hard time, right? You were struggling. (laughs) We take so much time creating this rubric that has those four boxes. We're really essentially, you're looking for a single point, right? That they identified the location of the mid-Atlantic state and it had the capital or whatever that one point is, that right. is your single. And then on the left, you have like, this is where you need to grow. These are something that I can give you feedback on that you didn't quite meet it. And then mm-hmm. over here on the right is how you exceed it. So when we're thinking about that four, three, two, one mastery, the four is going to be like over here, you really went above and beyond in my expectation. The one I gave wasn't great because it was just you know, a basic identification. And then the three right there in the middle, you've met this, like you've got your single point, you did it, Mm -hmm. bam. And then over here where we can justify those twos and ones become less subjective because we're giving them feedback. These are the areas that I need to see you improve upon. So we need Jennifer Gonzalez go look that up. She probably explained it way better, but the single point rubric for creativity and the iteration process and really giving students feedback when we're having them use tools like Adobe. There we do. We have that wraparound. So that's one thing that I really love Adobe for the templates, for the creativity and giving students a place to start. And then they can kind of make it their own. I always tell them like, this is something for you to start with. But when you give it back to me, it doesn't have to look anything like this. And I mm-hmm. kind of got in um, using Adobe through social media. Back in December, Claudio Zavala, he is a rock star educator. If you don't know him, go and find him. He, de- he works as an Adobe evangelist and he mm-hmm. puts out amazing templates and quick little tutorials for using Adobe Express. But he launched a template or he put out on social media, this template, and I kind of became hooked. So it was like a half face, you put half face of your photograph. And then the other side are what makes you, you like your identity, what Mm -hmm. would you use to define yourself? I have used this template so many times with students and staff. It's actually a big mural in our building. It was, we did it at the beginning of the year and it's something Our staff and our students still like stand enamored at and love to look at in awe. We've changed that from, you know, describing your identity to doing character traits. So you can put a book character in there and what are the traits that make up the book character? Mm -hmm. So I've taken each month Adobe releases a monthly challenge. And I usually I love to do the challenges myself personally to be creative. Mm -hmm. And Adobe gives amazing swag. And then I love to introduce them to students, but also kind of take them and put a twist on them for how to pull them back into the content. So at using them kind of as that starting point, as an idea, borrowing that idea and kind of sparking it into something that goes into
0: the classroom.
1: Have you heard of, do you want to say anything about Adobe? You're hooked now. I
0: see it. I, I am hooked. Well, it's just that creativity piece. And we can get into that a little bit later if you want to continue there
1: we can get into a little bit now because I think in education we kind of we hear creativity and we think like they'll do that in music they'll they'll get creative in art and we don't always feel that it belongs in the classroom and I've really kind of done a lot of research and spent a lot of time and put a lot of effort into and with. So our former steam coach at my building, Caitlin Finister, she's also amazing. And her and I really worked a lot last year and through COVID actually with this piece of creativity and getting it beyond it being expected outside of the classroom or looking at it like it's something extra. So really Mm -hmm. giving students choice and voice and giving them the ability to create You know, beyond a worksheet or beyond just the end of the unit assessment is something that's really powerful. And I think we need to kind of look at it in a different lens in education. That even though your students are maybe not going to be graphic designers, they can definitely make a poster that or a flyer that explains the layers of the earth or, you know, whatever science or social studies, reading math content that you're doing and just giving them the ability to do that and be empowered. I think that's really huge. special. Huge. Yeah. I, I
0: think it's huge. I think it, it's special. I think creativity is uh, that engagement piece. I think when we give the students that, that voice and choice, the engagement pieces uh, shoots through the roof. I also think sometimes Like you said, we get hesitant with creativity. I guess that's something that's really been on my mind lately and like sparking ideas. I read a book about idea flow and they were saying the guy teaches at uh, one of the Ivy League schools that wrote the book. And he was talking about like businesses and coming up with new ideas. And he was saying that he's giving this presentation to this major firm. And so all the the workers are there. And then this head CEO was there. And he says, you know, how many ideas do you need to get to get to that home run? Because we always think we see these things that come out on um, these new inventions or these new policies. And we always think that that's just naturally, it just happened. And so, you know, he says, all these people are shouting out numbers. And then the hag guy raised his hand and uh, he said, you just need one, one idea. And this Ivy League professor, he said, no, he said that they've done studies and to come up with all these genius ideas that we see, you need, and it's crazy, he said, it's over 2,000 ideas to get to that one great one.
1: Great idea. And,
0: you know, it's just uh, sometimes with that creativity, experimenting, we get, uh, we fear that failure. You know, I'm reading a book right now um, all about the Savannah Bananas. I don't know. Have you do you have any idea about the Savannah Bananas?
1: <laughs> no so, idea about Savannah
0: Bananas. Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, so he's he took over this baseball team. This guy took it's like a minor league baseball team, but he's changed the game of baseball because he said it, it's boring. So he does all these crazy things and it's it's just this huge attraction. That, that, uh, so he says, like, they try three different things every single night. And they have like cameras up in the stands watching to see how many people leave the game. When they leave the game, they're analyzing like what different, you know, experiments are working with the crowd. And the, the whole thing is what I'm getting with is that creativity piece that, you know, our kids sometimes I think are afraid to experiment, maybe afraid to fail. That's because of the restraints that we have put on them. Like we should uh, be pushing them to create. To You've experiment.
1: said so many things that I just, yes, ditto. And I wanted to elaborate on, I think yes. that, that fear of failure is, I mean, even as adults, when you tell somebody they're going to do something creative, that's Like intimidating. We don't want to fail. And I think it's so important. Our littlest learners are the ones that are ready to be creative. And then Mm -hmm. that kind of gets stifled as they go through education and for what it's worth, what our education system is and the way that we kind of view success and lots of different components that go into Mm -hmm. this. Creativity or lack there of creativity, because I find that the the fourth and fifth graders struggle a little bit more because they're wanting me to tell them exactly what I want. Right? Mm -hmm. They're they're not they don't have this free ability to just you know share what they learned. They're really looking for me, and it's kind of been a shift for these students. Like. I'm not giving you a worksheet. You're not going to just fill in the blanks. Like we're going to get into this and you're going to explain it to me. And that's a relearning for them. And I think, you know, before the show, we were talking a little bit about this. And as educators, we're always pressed for time, right? And we're always thinking about we have to get through all the content and we have to get through all the curriculum. And the one thing with creativity and the technology integration that I always really try to emphasize is it's not something extra, right when I'm trying to get your students to be creative, I want them to be engaged and to remember and to really show their mastery of content. When I'm doing technology integration, I'm I'm not coming to play a game. I'm coming to really enhance your instruction and that's what I want educators, also doing that. It, it's not something extra. It's something that is right along in there with your reading, writing, math, science, social studies. It's mm-hmm. it's not extra. And then one other thing that you said that was interesting, and I had to do a quick Google, Steal Like an Artist is another really cool book. It is Austin Keelan. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I've said maybe. Yeah, he, I've read that book. Have you? So I was That's thinking it. of that as you were talking about, you know, needing all of these ideas. And his kind of whole idea is like, every idea is borrowed from someone else. So people have had Mm -hmm. really great ideas and don't be afraid. And that kind of goes back to that template thing that I was talking about. Like, borrow those ideas, steal those ideas, what people are doing well, like take it and use it or take it and tweak it. And a lot of what you talk about, you know, through your podcast is like these lessons that we can learn. And that's kind of what I'm always looking for or want to learn too. Like, how can we do that? And then the last thing that I'm thinking in my brain is your, Mm -hmm. that 2000 ideas. And the iteration process. So through creativity, and I've learned this a lot through Adobe, the iteration process is like really taking your one idea that you have, like that one beginning poster or flyer or whatever it is that you're going to create, and then quickly Iterating it and turning it into three different designs, turning it into six different designs. I didn't even know it had a name, but that was something that I just naturally did when I was creating. And I think that's so important in getting the feedback. So, as I'm thinking of your 2000 ideas, that might be extreme for what Mm -hmm. I'm creating or what we're expecting our learners to create, but that as a place to start and teaching them how to do that and how to have that free thinking. And it's okay if the first five ideas or or you didn't use them or you know you got mm-hmm. feedback that changed that idea so i think what you're hitting on that failure and that grit that's so important that we are teaching our learners in whatever way we can
0: yeah 100% and you know within that idea flow when the, that author that came up with those 2000 ideas one activity that he said is every single day and I think he got this from other like creatives out there, but uh, they do like a, they give themselves a limit. Like every single day they write down like 10 new ideas. The guy from the Savannah Bananas referenced that, that as well. Just so, And so what you do is every single day you're writing down these ideas, writing down these ideas. And like you said, you know, five or six might not work, but it might be that seventh or that Savannah banana guy. And you'll have to check it out. Like I'm going to uh, Google yeah, it. On, it's, it's great for the kids. So, um, so the kids are, are loving it. Like they do all these fun stuff to make it just super entertaining. He takes Is it, it like a from, girl's team. It's a, it's a guy's team, Is but it, okay. uh,
1: I'm thinking of some other baseball thing, some other silly baseball thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's all about entertainment. He does a ton references, a ton from Walt Disney. And Savannah he just wants to make it yeah, family uh, friendly and everything. But he said, you know, you take an idea. So they experiment the baseball park, like three different ideas that they want their their kids or to experiment, see how it goes. And he said, first time it never goes perfectly. And he goes, sometimes the best events are when they go terribly wrong. But he also said, you know, you take it and then you get back. And then they meet after the game and they talk about the different stuff that they did. They make those adjustments and then they try it again. And I think that's a big thing with technology is the first time that we implement it, sometimes it goes terribly wrong. But that reflection piece, thinking about it, going back, tweaking it, trying it again.
1: And having that resilience, like your kids are not gonna remember that it that's like we're stifling ourselves, right? You're worried what's going to happen if I forget what to click or I forget what to do. I'm still like I'm I consider myself like very fluent with technology, but every time I do flip or Adobe with I mean last night, so every night my kids make a Microsoft flip, and this is I use flip in my personal life a lot too. Mm-hmm. So every night they do. And this, I kind of got from Lainey. We had always talked about uh, the best part of our day right before we went to bed Mm -hmm. and just a way of like showing gratitude and just ending the day on a a really positive note and kind of getting reset for bedtime. And in all the ways that I used to, I said, I need to record, like I need to save these. So every night my boys they record it. Sometimes they use the uh-huh. only feature. Sometimes they add a picture from their day. Sometimes they play with stickers or pens. It's all over the place. But my four-year-old, he's mm-hmm. four. He can turn, get to the app. He can get to the the group. He can press record. And last night, he wanted two different gifts. So he, no, he wanted three. So he somehow used three fingers and got all three of them on the page. I would have just clicked <laughs> one and gone back, back and forth and added yeah. it, you know, multiple times. But his brain said, let me see what happens when I click three of them. So he wasn't afraid that it wasn't going to work. Right. He just tried it. And I feel so two things in that as educators, I, I feel like we just need to have more of that risk taking. And one thing in my role is I kind of get to be that support net, right? So mm-hmm. when you're introducing something new, I really, you know, how I kind of start is I like to model the lesson. I'm going to just come in and I'm going to do it and and you can watch and you can sit back and hang out. And mm-hmm. then maybe the next time I come in, we're going to plan it together and we're going to kind of teach it together and and go off of each other. And then maybe the third or fourth time after you've had some more, maybe I'll create it for you and you're going to implement it on your own. But I'll be there as a backup, like if you don't remember the button to push. And then that's where we get into those reflective pieces and that reflective piece of being able to sit down and have a conversation with a teacher like, how did that go? How did that make you feel? Will you do it again? How are we going to change this? And then one other interesting thing, we were talking a little bit about that departmentalization piece in the upper grade levels. And it's always interesting to teach with our fifth grade teachers for the day because that Mm -hmm. first lesson, it's a little rocky, right? There are some (laughs) things you just didn't iron out. You didn't really think about the timing of a transition or something we kind of tweak it. The second Mm -hmm. lesson is like, Oh, like this is getting better. And then the third class, by the end of the day, they get like cream of the crop, the best lesson you figured out everything that's rent wrong all day and are able to fix it. So that's really cool. I think we maybe need to like, think about middle schools, like rearranging their schedules. So they, uh, have a chance to get the best teaching, but part of that reflective practice and doing something over and over again, and even thinking if you're not in that role, every mm-hmm. year you teach you know as a second grade teacher, you're teaching the same content, the same curriculum, but maybe the way you approach it is a little bit different, or you know integrating technology more or it's just interesting and fascinating to think about that reflective piece and how much it can impact our practice
0: yeah it's huge. it's absolutely huge. and you know you got my wheels turning right here. I just uh you know so many great things, but when when you talked about I love that gratitude piece that you you talked about with your own families like uh as a mom, like the boys when they get older, it'll be neat for them to to look back at it, but probably even in neater for you. You know, it's so, it's a, it's it's so powerful
1: mind. even now to yeah, look to back sure. on. And so I'll just share one other little personal thing. Our four-year-old is a praxic. So he has really limited language and he is going to um, speech regularly. He goes to speech two times a week. He's in a special ed preschool program. And we started using flip with him forever ago, but mm-hmm. I started using it for him to practice language so it's really cool to see his progress from a year and a half ago what he was able to say to now and then the gratitude piece too we, he has right. we have 274 videos so 274 video goes how different he sounded and and what he was grateful for and I think Laney is just so amazing in having that gratitude practice in your mm-hmm. life as an educator as a mom as a Human is so important. And it's something that I really have tried to instill in my boys. And my heart always gets so happy when he says, like, today we were driving to school and he said, I'm so grateful that it's a beautiful snowy day and we still get to go to school. Like, that's okay, awesome. That's that's really <laughs> that's cool awesome. when you say that. Or he'll say, "I'm really proud of you." That's what he will. That's another one that we're like big on is showing gratitude through being proud of people. And he'll mm-hmm. he'll just chime in with, "I'm really proud of you for making my lunch and getting up early and taking care of us." And it's so cute from a seven year old perspective. Yeah. But it's so important that we we do that in our classrooms and in our homes.
0: Yeah. Teaching it, modeling it. And you you got me thinking of like, how could we do that? Could we do a video thing inside our classrooms where yes. they're doing that every single look, day?
1: Look, so. so powerful. That would yes. be amazing. And you, we need to talk more about this idea. My brain is already going in a million directions, but we need to talk more about that idea because you could even have each student. So you could have it like a daily check-in with their gratitude, where the cool thing about Flip is that it gives like an authentic audience for, Mm -hmm. for students because they're able to see each other's videos. But then there's also this cool piece where you can moderate the videos and you can make it just so you as the teacher can see them, they can't see each other's, or you could have just a topic for each of your students. And it would be like a portfolio of their gratitude or their growth, you know, it could be daily, it could be weekly. That would be something really special for you and that you could share. So Flip automatically generates QR codes. You could generate those for families. Like that would be a keepsake forever. I know we've talked about our connection with Melissa Hayes, but mm-hmm. she does a lot with like the QR codes and sharing them with families or putting them on ornaments or keepsakes. That's mm-hmm. There's lots of really special ways to use to use FLIP in and out of the classroom. So I'm glad that kind of circled back around.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And uh, you'll have to share that with Lainey. And, For those listeners that don't know, it's Lainey Rao. Um, She has her own podcast and a book under the same name, Evolving with Gratitude. And she's just such a blessing. It's a wonderful podcast, a beautiful book. So definitely check that out. But it's in her book. She talks about like the gratitude jar. So this just uh, it takes that idea almost and it expands. It makes such a beautiful visual. Which and audio too? I yes, it's
1: it. exactly that. It's a digital gratitude jar with flip. Yeah, yes, I
0: love, that's so cool. As we wrap up here, uh, two of my favorite questions that I love to ask everybody is: What is a podcast or a book that you would recommend?
1: So we've kind of already talked about Lainey. She's amazing. One of the other educators that I always go to, so Chris Wood, he wrote Daily Stem. He also has a Daily Stem podcast. He is on Twitter, at Daily Stem. And he's just one of those like rockstar educators that is really sharing innovative, but real ways to implement STEAM in every classroom. And he has, so in the book, it's just a super quick, super easy read. It's really down to earth, like, I feel like I could just walk up to him and be great friends with him. Uh (laughs) Um, I've had like a lot of really good positive interactions with him and he's just always sharing these practical, I guess, practical is the word that I'm thinking about. I think, you know, kind of like creativity, we hear steam or STEM and it's immediately intimidating and his whole idea is getting STEM into every classroom and he's a middle school math teacher and he is constantly putting STEM in his classroom and a lot about like building relationships and school culture and communities. Mm-hmm. So he's just another one of those like phenomenal people to connect with. I feel like I can't narrow it down to just one. So I really through social love connecting with like whole communities. Mm-hmm. So I've talked a lot about Microsoft flip. So the Microsoft flip community, anybody in that community is really phenomenal Andy Knieven, Scott Titmus, Jess Boyce. There's just so many. Ann Cosma. If you don't know Ann Cosma, like go and find her. She doesn't have a podcast, but uh, she is just a bright light of sunshine. The Adobe team, same thing. Claudio Zavala, Wesley Thimble, Jesse Linsky. Like There's just so many. And that's where I get a lot of my inspiration and my creativity and my ideas is I will surf Twitter and surf show those hashtags and get inspired by that. So I don't always listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. but when I do daily STEM, I love your podcast. I love Lainey's podcast. There's so many good ones out there. And then just check out some of those communities. That would be like one of my recommendations.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And just like we talked so much about here, it's getting those, ideas. there's so many amazing people out there and they're willing to share share, and uh, just to, to get ideas and spark it, and make it your own. Um, and if someone wanted to connect with you because you're one of the educators that we can look at and grab ideas from, what's the best way to connect with you, Nikki?
1: I am always on Twitter, so at Mrs. mrsjones728112. That's a really good place. I'm always tweeting. I'm always retweeting, sharing kind of ideas, what I'm doing in the classroom, or awesome ideas that I'm seeing. I love to lift others up and retweet those other good ideas. I think, you know, you don't always have to be the smartest person in the room, but you can get ideas from everybody. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: really love that too. So I'm sharing what I'm doing. It's, I've kind of gone back and forth with this for a really long time. I don't do it to like, For me necessarily, I want to inspire others and I want to share ideas, not because I want to accolade, but because I want others to be able to like put that into their practice and see the Mm -hmm. joy of creativity or see how easy that it can be to to add these things to their classroom. And there are so many, so many other amazing educators that are doing it also. And I love sharing and uplifting them Mm -hmm. as well.
0: That's awesome. And if you could have the listeners walk away with one thing, what would that be?
1: I think just to take that risk and try one thing, maybe one thing from today. And I think that's easy for us to get overwhelmed with. Like We talked about so many things. We talked about different apps. We talked about different techniques. We talked about so many things but just take one. So if you can mm-hmm. find one point from today and walk away with it and try to put it into practice or do a little bit more research about, I think that's just a good place to start. Don't overwhelm yourself. And I think that, what is it? Comparison is the thief of
0: joy. Right? Joy
1: right? Is that what the quote is? Yeah. I think that we're all in these different places. And sometimes we get caught up listening to a podcast or seeing a Twitter feed. And we say like, I'm not there, or I don't know how to do that. And we get overwhelmed and it's easy to kind of back off and shut down. So my big challenge is you you don't have to be like anybody else and just take one idea and try to put it into practice. And I am more than happy to help anybody or to answer questions or to share ideas or bounce ideas with, um, I'm always open to that.
0: So great. So many phenomenal tips there, Nikki. And I, you know, just to add on a little bit, when you talk about, you know, starting with that one thing is I've done a lot. One thing that I've tried to remind myself when you talk about comparison is the thief of joy. When you look at all these other rock stars out there and then you look at yourself, um, a quote I heard before was don't compare like your chapter one to someone's chapter 20. It's yeah. to always remember that these people that are sharing the stuff, they've been doing it for a long time. So show yourself grace. But go out there, try it, implement it, reflect. And uh, before you know it, you're going to be rocking it too.
1: Right. And I think that piece too, like you might not be a rock star with technology, but there are so many other things that you're a rock star with and giving yourself credit for those things. And, you know, maybe you're a rock star with classroom management. Maybe you have amazing relationships in your classroom. And some of these things aren't necessarily always going to be noticed or easy to share or put Mm -hmm. out there, but giving yourself credit for those things too, that maybe you don't know a thing about flip or Adobe or creativity, but you're here and you're willing to learn. Like that's a big step. I think that's super powerful. And there are lots of things in your life that you're great at. So Take that and be great and keep on going.
0: I love that. I love that. Nikki, it's been such a pleasure and a blessing. And you know, meeting you, we're we're so connected in so many ways, which is unbelievable. And you said like uh you know, you want to be an uplifter. And just with that little time that we've spent together, you truly are truly yeah. such a blessing. And thank you so much uh, that you share with us and so much that you give to your, your schooling. And, you know, we appreciate you, my friend.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I feel like my cheeks are smiling a little Mm -hmm. bit from just chatting with you and being able to share things that I'm so passionate about. And I'm just really excited. And I just want to share really quick. I haven't been in the classroom in a while. I've been out on medical leave. So this has really brought me a lot of joy to be able to meet with you and kind of talk about all of these things that are going on and really important and impactful for me. But I haven't had my hands on them in a little bit. Mm -hmm. So this was really, I feel like kind of a little bit of therapy for me too, just being able to connect with you and chat about it all. So I really appreciate you for that.
0: Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, best of luck. And I know that it, things are trending upward for you, which which we definitely like. So, well, thank you, Nikki. Thank you. This was such a wonderful conversation with Nikki. She's such an awesome person, and she shared so many great things. Now, this is a Teaching Champions take where I share three of my favorite takeaways. The first gem I loved is how Nikki talked about the importance of taking risks. Because in order for us to evolve as educators, we have to be willing to take risks. We have to be willing to step out of that comfort zone. And doing that with the understanding that we don't have to be perfect. The first time we do something, it's usually going to be a little uncomfortable. And maybe it doesn't go quite as smooth as we'd like it to. But it's all about that experimenting, learning, making tweaks, and then trying again. The second gem that I loved is how Nikki talked about the power of creativity and really being inspired by those around you. And she referenced communities like Flip and Adobe. And there are so many more out there as well that are filled with amazing people. And they're doing amazing things. And often, these people, they're willing to share. So check out these different groups. See what others are doing. Think how you can take something that they're doing in their classroom and adapt it to fit your teaching style in your classroom. And the third gem that I loved was how Nikki shared the gratitude practice that she does with her boys at home. It's that gratitude jar with a twist. It's using Microsoft Flip, creating videos and audio files of the things that her family is grateful for. It's phenomenal modeling, it's great practice for the family, And just think about the keepsake that's being created. I know when she told me this, that my wheels were turning. Now, these were just a few of my favorite gems. Hit me up on social media. Let me know what were some of your favorite takeaways from this conversation. A huge thank you to Nikki for sharing so many wonderful takeaways and for being such an amazing uplifter. And thank you to you as well for being here, for being part of the Teaching Champions community. We support, we encourage, we lift each other up. And if you think someone would benefit from this conversation, please share. It's all about supporting one another. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that all new episodes come directly to you. And always remember, it doesn't matter if we're from rural America to urban America to Canada to Spain to Bahrain, We're all on that same team. We're all on that same mission. And we're always better together. Keep being amazing, my friends. And as you go out into the week, may you step into your strength. May you step into your shine. And let's build our champions up. Have a great week, everybody.